Thank you for listening to Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti, recorded live at the Sat Yoga Ashram in Costa Rica. To join us for a life-changing meditation retreat, or to make a donation to support this transformational work, please visit our website, www.satyoga.org. To access more teachings or guided meditations from Shunyamurti, please visit the members section of our website or our YouTube channel, Sat Yoga Institute. Namaste. Now, let's get serious. <clears throat> so, uh, the first comorbidity ignorantitis. <laughs> now, ignorantitis arises. Uh, and it's an inflamed level of ignorance. In other words, it's deliberate ignorance, a, a wanton not wanting to know the truth. Uh, and uh, if we analyze our lives, we will easily discover that they are the unintended consequences of our desires, and mostly unwanted consequences of those desires. So uh, we have to recognize that we engaged in the actions that created our suffering uh, because of deliberate uh, ignorance of uh, what those consequences would be. In the same way that many people will eat a meal that they know will cause them indigestion afterwards or, or, or some other problem, but they'll do it anyway because they uh, want to enjoy the momentary uh, flavor of the meal or uh, the, whatever effect it has. Or they'll have alcohol knowing they'll get a hangover the next day. But uh, these are intended consequences, but there are also the ones that are at least consciously unintended that create uh, even more uh, suffering. So the treatment has to be a paradigm shift uh, out of ignorance. We have to, uh, what we call that here is translation, to translate our uh, understanding of our reality into a different mode in which we recognize that the body is a vehicle of consciousness. It's not who we are. And we treat that vehicle in a way that is uh, truly rational for its health and its well-being and its longevity, etc., but without identifying with uh, its enjoyments and letting it get out of control. We, we keep it within moderation. This is basically what the Dharma is for, so that uh, the body does not, uh, and its, its uh, uh, sensory enjoyments do not take over uh, our rationality. The appetitive does not uh, overrule the cognitive, in other words. So that's enough for that one. Two is we suffer from normosis. And, uh, and this is actually a, a, a psychiatrically recognized illness, normotic syndrome. It's, uh, it's a psychotic obsession with being normal. 
And, uh, and so uh, it's because of that normotic syndrome that people are willing to do what everybody else is doing. And if they're all getting injected with poison, let me do that too, you know, because it must be good for you if everyone is doing it. Uh, and so this desire to be normal, when the society's norm becomes sick and, and becomes uh, uh, self-destructive, if you stay normal, that is uh, a problem. That, that is literally madness. So we have to transcend the norm. We have to be willing to be different and be alone, perhaps, and uh, violate the norms in order to reach our highest potentiality, since the norm is going down and uh, is, is a norm of uh, unthinking herd mentality uh, without any free will or free capacity for uh, creative thought. So uh, the treatment for that has to be a transformation of our identity from a being in the world who has to follow the way of the world when in Rome or the Vaxican do as the Vaxicans do. No, you have to uh, realize that we are with God and to become supernormal so that normosis can no longer infect us. Okay, so this is the, the cure for that comorbidity. Third one is more dangerous. It's galloping imaginosis. And uh, this disease is really uh, dangerous. Uh, it means that there's a constant flood of images in the mind. And most of those images are either erotically charged or aggressively charged or uh, some other negative emotion. They're charged with depressive affect or anxiety or fear. Uh, and, and they keep coming up in the mind and you can't stop them from within the ego. And if you are in, afflicted with uh, these kinds of images, they will produce thoughts that produce urges, that produce drives that will then cause acting out. So the images, when they build up, will produce effects. If they're erotically charged, they'll produce a wet dream or they'll produce an acting out of, of a sexual nature. If they're angry uh, images, they're going to produce an aggressive interaction. Every kind of uh, image is going to produce a psychological impetus toward an action that uh, is in line with that, uh, that image. So until we have eliminated this out-of-control imaginosis, we will not be able to have peace because these images are constantly uh, agitating us and causing us to be, uh, uh, to be afflicted with, uh, with either anxiety or depression or anger or something else that takes away our serenity, our peace, and our rationality. So imaginosis is uh, needed to be treated with uh, the transcendence of the ego mind. That's the only thing that will work, and that's why meditation is the cure for that uh, comorbidity. But it has to be practiced 
long enough to extinguish the images and one has to no longer want them to be produced. So the desire to have the mind filled with certain kinds of images, which underlies why they have appeared, uh, has to be released. Okay, how many people suffer from any of these first three? Yeah, oh, okay, well, and I'm glad you're in the hospital getting treated now. <laughs> So the fourth uh, comorbidity is impacted sublimosis. So in, in medical terminology, if something is impacted, it's clogged, right? It's blocked. But we also mean in the psychological sense that you're impacted in a certain way. So you, the, uh, the desire to transcend, to sublimate those images, those uh, lower chakra urges, uh, will we'll get clogged, it will get stopped at a level of partial sublimation and won't be able to go beyond it. And one will get clogged at a certain point where uh, one cannot release an obsession. Uh, and it could be a partially sublimated obsession. It could be with music or with art or with writing or with something else. But it's all still coming from an egoic place and the partially sublimated creativity produces more imaginosis and produces more uh, uh, focus on the ego identity as somebody who has a certain talent or a certain ability that then they want to focus on rather than focusing on the real self and the complete uh, transcendence of ego consciousness. So you don't want to get caught. Great art comes from a totally sublimated consciousness that is then able to use the vehicle, both the body and the subtle vehicle of the soul, to produce uh, creative uh, works. But if they still come from the ego level, then uh, they're not going to be very good and they're not going to uh, produce the result of true transcendence and they won't be inspired. So uh, you don't want to stop your sublimation uh, at uh, a level in which you're still within the ego and you just want to be the best ego you can be, you know, in some way. That's, that's not good enough and that will end up uh, causing a lot of bitterness at the end. So for that, the treatment is transfiguration. You have to recognize that you are not an ego uh, in the world trying to be as good as you can be, but you, you are a manifestation of the God self. That's beyond all intention, all desire, and uh, every uh, aspect of the creative intelligence moves from the supreme level, the supramental, not from within the mental range. And then it becomes truly powerful. Okay, how many people suffer from impacted sublimosis? Yeah, there's a few, okay, well, you can get over it, don't lose hope. But uh, it, you do have to really work on it because there's a, there's a desire to stay attached to that, uh, that level that becomes a, a conscious obstacle. Okay, number five. Dualitosis, terrible, terrible disease. 
And uh, it means that you value the unreal over the real. You prefer your life in duality to transcendence. You consider that transcending the ego would be a deprivation of all your fun. And, uh, and, and you're still enjoying your suffering too much to want to get out of it entirely. So, uh, and it could be in a very uh, activist and um, philanthropic or uh, let's say uh, a, a kind of remedial uh, approach to wanting to improve life uh, in the phenomenal plane. Uh, but uh, when you focus on that level of trying to help the world, you lose touch with the supreme intelligence which recognizes the perfection of everything and is the only level from which actual change can occur. Otherwise, everything is affected by karma and you won't be able to, uh, to change the trajectory of that karma. So dualitosis, which is the, the immediate uh, reflexive impression of reality as being uh, objective and focusing on the world as an external objective field of beings that you are working with or on or trying to help. It, there will be rescue fantasies that come out of dualitosis and, uh, and fight or flight modes of, of relating. But dualitosis is uh, really the, the root uh, cause of many of these comorbidities. So the only way that you can treat this is through transvaluation. You have to value non-duality more than duality. And, uh, and that means you have to sacrifice your belief in the subject as well as the object. And, and, uh, and recognize that the real I is not the one in duality that wants to do something good in the world or wants to get something from the world or wants to uh, accomplish something great before their body dies and all of that. It's uh, the real I is the eternal, immortal, uh, infinite I that is the only one that can actually accomplish anything of true value and true uh, significance that is lasting. So the, uh, the treatment of transvaluation is essential. Okay, next one's very difficult. Solipsitis. I hope no one here suffers from that. Uh, what happens when you begin to, uh, to meditate and to recognize the world as a dream is you begin to, to think that uh, you are the only one who's conscious and that the world is actually only made up of a, of a single consciousness. There aren't really a multiplicity. And uh, you start to treat other uh, beings as if they are not conscious. There's a, there's a kind of a sense of, uh, of indifference and of, uh, of a, a, almost a nihilistic solipsism that thinks I'm the only one that's real, uh, I'm the only one who gets it, I'm the only one who understands. And, and, uh, and one identifies that I not as the supreme consciousness, but either as the ego or as a soul monad who is uh, facing a, uh, a, a dream field 
that, uh, that has no reality. But it, the, the truth is, this is an intersubjective, intermonadic plane where everyone is equally a manifestation of that supreme reality. So uh, solipsism is not an accurate uh, evaluation of the nature of the phenomenal plane. But very often you, you get this, particularly if the EOS is of a narcissistic variety. It, uh, it becomes easily self-involved and uh, not interested in anything in the world and only uh, wanting its own comfort. And, uh, and it, uh, it completely separates itself from uh, its, uh, it, the need that we have to serve in the phenomenal plane because it's only through service that we transcend the ego and the narcissistic boundary that creates the uh, solipsistic separation. So the, uh, the solipsitis it can be a very difficult one to, to get rid of because you don't think there's any help because there isn't anybody else out there. So the only way to treat that is a transmutation uh, in which you, you recognize that the, uh, the I, the self, is not a separate individual from the world, but is actually a manifestation of the entirety that is omnicentric, not simply unicentric, and that that center of consciousness appears everywhere equally. So that's that one. The seventh one is not so bad. So I called it mild. It's mild corona noosis. So what this means is that you've reached a point where you actually have intermittent contact with your crown chakra. You actually have some glimpses of ultimate reality. But then you come back into a mental congestion and uh, you relapse into conjunctive uh, myotosis for long periods and you rest your laurels on past experiences. There are a lot of people who have, they go through an ayahuasca ceremony and they come back and say they've gone through ego death and they're liberated and all of that, but they're very much back in their ego and nothing really much got accomplished at all. You have this with lots of uh, so-called entheogens or uh, uh, states uh, of altered consciousness that are very temporary but they produce a halo effect for a long time and then the ego lives off of them and, uh, and presents itself as already liberated when it's still back in a very congested state and very much identified with the body and needing more chemicals in order to try to return to a higher state. So we don't want that kind of a dependency. But it's relatively mild uh, in, in the sense that at least one is touching into that higher consciousness and recognizes it as a reality. And that tends to create a magnetic pull, uh, which creates the urge to reach that state as a, a true uh, established uh, reality of one's being, not just a momentary uh, tourist trip to Chakra 7, but uh, to learn to actually live there and, uh, and abide as the self. So uh, this can be treated, but it does require a complete egoectomy. 
and uh, an atmic enucleation, which means you have to remove your essential self from all of the imaginary forms of uh, liberation that you may have glimpsed through drug experiences or, or other altered states and reach that purity of consciousness that is uh, transcendent of experience or of, uh, of duality. And, uh, and once uh, that has been achieved, then you will have the corona for real and the full noetic uh, capacity without uh, falling back into a, a congested state. So th that's the cure, and uh, those are the comorbidities. I hope everyone understands that uh, this, these can all be cured, and none of them are hopeless. They are contagious, however, uh, and so you don't want to spread it around or get infected by others, uh, especially if you have a tendency to normosis. So uh, do stay out of that and remain in uh, a complete state of individuation, and uh, you'll be safe. Okay? So that's all I have on that one. If there's, I'll, I'll open the floor if there's any questions about this before we go on further. Okay, everyone knows how to cure themselves and uh, you understand the, the, uh, the um, meaning of all of these uh, morbidities. Do we have any uh, questions about this, Purusha, online yet? No questions yet. Oh yeah? Okay, well, let's go on a little bit further and then we'll, we'll deal with those. <laughs> so the next, uh, let's see, make sure I have enough time to do all of this. Uh, if you're going to treat yourself uh, and, and really attempt to cure yourself of these uh, comorbidities, then it's uh, important to uh, take certain diagnostic tests. They don't involve PCR swabs or anything like that, but they are uh, seven questions you really have to ask yourself in order to uh, clarify where you are at because there's a lot of self-deception that keeps these uh, morbidities in place. And, and self-deception is probably uh, underlying all of them, really. So. The first question to ask yourself is, uh, who or what ordains my destiny? Thank you for listening to the Spiritual Teachings with Shunyamurti podcast. For more information on programs and retreats, click on the calendar section of our website, www.satyoga.org. Our work is made possible by the generous support of our listeners, viewers, and members. To make a donation, please visit the donate page of our website. We thank you for your support in our mission to share this timeless wisdom with the world. Namaste.